uh, started Monday night. Uh, most of you are back, some of you are not, and we're going to have a uh, quick recap and then get to the Shailas are raising. The next two Gemaras are absolutely fascinating and Baruch Hashem challenging to figure out what's going on from the Pikuach Nefasha's point of view, which is our sugya. And let's go to page one again. We saw the Gemara already where David Melech was digging the Shisim, the Mizbeach had two little tubes going down, bowls, and they went all the way down to the Tahaim, and David Melech was doing whatever he can to prepare for Binyan Beis even though he wasn't allowed to build it. He was allowed to locate it, which we'll get back to in a moment, and amass the money, which wasn't used. We discussed that in a different shear, but David Melech got the full schar for putting it aside and offering it, and living a somewhat frugal lifestyle for a king. king can't live a completely frugal lifestyle because there has to be emes amalchus and kavod amalchus and has to be pomp and ceremony to a degree, but the contrast between David Amalus Malchus and the money spent in Shlom Amalus Malchus is a shmuz b'fnei which we've had in the Novi Shirem. took us a few months, not a tiny on either one. David Amal did it because he wanted to put all the money in the booty aside for Binyan Abayas, and Shlomo Melech was trying to bring the Melech HaMashiach, which could have been him. And everybody met L'Shem Shemayim, Shlomo Melech uh, had an, an issue ultimately with Le'ab Le'Kesev Azov, but not for now. But David HaMelech was clearly very involved in not only sacrificing his own personal comfort, but getting into the trenches. That's what's so unique about this Gemara. He wasn't directing a project that the committee should go and dig. It's pretty clear from his Gemara that he was the one down there, and the committee was up, including Achi Teifel and all the other advisors, and he was sort of yelling up, uh, what do I do over here? And the Shaila was, after he lifted up the pottery, which Rashi will fill us in on, the Tahaim plug was off, the Tahaim started rising, and he, L'Chaira, was an immediate Sakano, shot right now before we get to the Elephant Air. And it sounds like it was threatening to flood the world. I want to know, can he write Shem Hashem on a parchment and throw it in and it would calm down? That's a Pikuach Nefesh situation being handled by very non-normative measures, uh, Derek Mace. And he had a feeling Achitevel knew, he had a feeling Achitevel didn't like him and he needed an answer and Achitevel knew how to learn, he wanted a Heksha Shnample on it and he asked if it's Mutter, and called the mama, no one's answering. And then he gave the ultimatum and the klala, anybody doesn't answer me, Yechanik, and he was scared of David Melech, rightfully so, and he answered, he made the Kavachemer, by a Saita, today Shalom and Ishtoy, Ishtoy, you can erase Hashem's name, we're commanded to erase Hashem's name, that's the Tzivu Yateira. So, to make Shalom Be'elam, which is already the first question mark of the city, make Shalom Be'elam, the Shailu is Sakanas Tafasha, so we're talking about making Shalom Be'elam, there's already something going on over here. So that was the Kavachaymer. He says, Mutter, Dabramel did it, all went down. Gavaldik. Alpha Pikain, Achitefel died because he's Chayim Misa for being a Marib Malchus, a mastermind in the rebellion of Shalom. But the way he died was that he hung himself, which is choking, which is a kiyam of the Kola, and the Gemara's Raya, Afilu Bechinam Okay, that was the Gemara. I'm trying to show you two of the Rashis before we go to the al On page one, go to the left side, the Deber Maschal is about ten lines down the thin lines, Kaf HaTahayma. Tzaf HaTahayim started rising 
very quickly and very dangerously. <laughs> he saw a cheres and the cheres was talking. I'm here as a plug. You would think the next sentence is something like that. It doesn't say that. It wasn't necessary. The whole earth was shaking. Apparently there were like like earthquakes, major shifting of uh, land masses, and at the time the earth is made of a lot of water, and something was a little bit off, and this plug had to be there. We don't understand the key was there, what I just said. Neither do I. Don't worry. But she's telling you, you show me that there was a plug here, and David Melach understood. Goes back to our previous year where you all asked me at the beginning of the sugya, and then sixty shirim later. So how do you know when it's the Asasiyatzer and when it's the Dvar Hashem and when the Simon and the is to do it or not to do it? If you remember, I gave you a very clear maskana, an absolute maybe. Um, you have to be a Navi, you have to have the Ratumim. Dabana Malach was a Navi, and he was a Gadladar, and he said that there's a very important project going on, and this is the Achana of Binyan Abayas, and the Yitzhar wants to stop us, and therefore we're not going to listen to any talking piece of pottery. So he'll say he was wrong. I don't know if he was wrong. It's good. We got a good clawler for Achitafel out of it. We got Achitafel to Chuba, but he was a dangerous man. And David Malach did what he had to do, and he survived. So um, the jury's still out whether in Mitzias it was the right thing or the wrong thing. But Rashi says, the Yishalmi clearly reports that it was potentially dangerous. Lashama David and he lifted it up. next Rashi. Fascinating first word, pen. Pen means lest, maybe. Saita, we erase the Shem Hashem. It's not maybe it'll get erased. The Chiv is to erase the name. It doesn't get erased. It has to come out in the water. Here, Dabadal wasn't even sure what the face of Pikuch Nefashos it sounds like. It sounds like the is going to get a different shot. And he wasn't even sure there was an Isser because he's throwing the name and the Shem Hashem might not even get erased. Pen. All this on a suffix, maybe it'll cause the erasure of Shem Hashem. And he wasn't sure whether it was mutter. He had to, to ask a shayla. That's the pella. Pen yimchaku amayim vayiver mishum ivatem mishamam lo sasim kein l'ashem alakechem. It's the race that raised Hashem's name. Rather, this is a pen, maybe with a grama. It's not a classic grama because he's throwing it into water. But still, it's not going to erase right away. If it's a pen, that means it's not happening right away. It might not happen. And Davidoch was still scared to pass on the shayla himself. That's a lot of Yerushalayim, especially when you're in the trenches and you're the one who's going to get killed first if the water keeps coming up. Rashi now raises, fascinating for Rashi and Agamar. Rashi says he has a side kasha, which is crucial here, just on the chronological events. Yesh teima badavar. Sharei lakana David esagarim meravana hayavusi ad maisa dahasota. Those of you who've been with us for twelve years, may not be sure. You'll understand more than the quick version, but the quick version for those who weren't here. Maisa dahasota is when Hashem was quote unquote Mesis David to count Klai Yisrael because Klai Yisrael needed a kapara and a punishment, and David Amalek also got a midikagamida count Klai Yisrael. Yoyev, interestingly enough, didn't want to go. He did it anyway. Here he listened to David. There was a Magaif right afterwards, unfortunately. And right after that, he bought the Mokom from Arvena Yavusi. 
not within the form of this year now, but it requires explanation. Yushalayim was conquered last. Okay, so there's a treaty between Avmavinu and Avimelo. Li, Lenili, Nechti. The three there is, and they lived a long time. So they couldn't conquer it. But Yoyov finally was sent to conquer it. The last one died. They still didn't get Harabayas. Avani Rusi was a very nice guy, very friendly. And they sort of knew that he was Moscow to sell it. And he was, and he will eventually sell it. But they left that to the end, and that requires explanation why, but not necessarily for Asugya now. But bothering Rashi is that clearly it was only bought after the Magaifa, and the Magaifa stopped in that spot, and David Melch understood this is the Makam and now's the time, and that's when he buys it. The only problem is Achitefo was no longer here. He was dead three years when he finally bought it. And Rashi's assuming David Melch is not having a major digging excavation project on somebody else's property. So, what's going on? That's a Rashi S. Take a look at Rashi. Yesh teima dava shmei lakano david esagar meravani avusi ad maisa dahasato shalaisa laachar misa zachitayvel gimel shanim. It's after Hashem's rebellion. Achitayvel went and committed suicide as soon as they didn't listen to him before the battle happened. He knew they were going to lose if they weren't listening to him, and he was right. Fi dvar malolu tzrichan on a loymer shafapishal lakano hagarin. So Rashi says you have to say he didn't buy it yet. He knew that was the spot. The day Ahayam in Uruv, meaning his younger years, the day he was Nimshach, he spent time, he was Nimshach, remember by Shmuel and Avi undercover, Bashal was still king, and they spent the whole night learning the Sugya of where the Makma Mikdash is, and they plotted out the coordinates of where it is. That Ahavmina was in Enitum, which is slightly higher than Harabais. That's important for what we're going to discuss. And then they settled Bank Safe of Shafain, the nicest part of the Shar, is right before the head for us city people that doesn't resonate, but we take, I'm not sure which part of the show, but, you know, when you have a society of Shvarim, there were Medinim, and the Territ of Chazal tell us, that's the nicest part of the show, it's just below the top, and all that was done and investigated with Shmuel and Avi. The Yashvu Hu Shmuel, Shneim Shach, the Yashvu Hu Shmuel, the Gersa on the side is, Shneim Yashvu Benoyes Baramo, Batku B'Sevi Yeshua. So imagine they took out the Pesukim B'Sevi Yeshua looking exactly for the Makkum. They had to figure out where it is. They knew it's uh, between Chedip and Yom and Chedip and And they mapped it out. Amatza Makkum L'Veitza Mitish D'Siv Aremsa Makkum D'Ashinan Le'i B'Zvachim B'Ezza Makkum D'Afnun Dalid V'Chafar HaYesaydas B'Rshusay So he's not going to buy it for a while. Achitayfel is alive in this story and he's digging hundreds of feet in the ground. A major project. To dig that deep, you need a lot of support, just like in his backyard. So Avani Vusi is a good, good guy, and he is a good guy. He sold it to Dovermouth later. Uh, the Pelahis, we never had a full share of the Rebbe share of Avani Vusi. Believe it or not, after hundreds of years, his skull was found under the Mizbeach, which is the most uh, challenging, astounding thing you can ever learn about the Bezimekdish. That not to have, okay, there's too much of it's here. Not to have Siat he wasn't like an old, he was a nice guy, he was selling a, how did he get buried there? A lot of, a lot of questions, saved for a Sunday morning one morning, but it wasn't bought yet, and he said, sure, your highness, I'd love to be of service, go digging, start the project now, it's my pleasure. And he did, and then all of a sudden, I don't know, probably looking out the window, and all of a sudden, the water levels 
going up, but that wasn't a problem only for him. It's a problem for everybody. The uh, big Shaila in this whole Gemara is what was David Amel's question. If it's a Kanaslafashis, he could be Deche any Yisurim. It's not a Vodazar Shvichzan or Gilead Rice. One of the two, by the way, which we're not going to focus on now, is that it is a Vodazar, and it's in the Pasuk of Lassas and Kayan Lashem Lakechem, contrasting with obliterating a Vodazar. So some say it is Yahweh, which would answer the question bigger Chidish to say, get the whole world destroyed for it. There might be a Chidish between Yahidim and a Rabin, but. That's one of the Mahalachim. The Elchaner has a very fascinating Mahalach, which we began, and we didn't get too far because we started talking about the globe, which we will speak about. Yes? Is there, you know, not, not to take it completely off the tangent, is there any symbolism in the fact that Mantige Yisrael always get in trouble with rocks and talking? Why, do you have other examples? Moshe Rabbeinu didn't talk to the rock. Here, here, this here the rock talked to him. Interesting. Uh, this wasn't a rock, it was a, it was a piece of pottery, he's right, it wasn't a rock. Um, I think the powerful lesson, which a lot of people would be very surprised about, not in this year, we mentioned it at times, as a matter of fact, the whole last sugi about the Kishav and the Simanim and Shamayim, we believe that Hashem talks to us all the time, we talk to Hashem all the time. We talk to Hashem more than we hear Hashem talking to us because we have to listen better, but there's always conversation, Kaviyochel, going on. You have to know what drag you're on and, and what you're here to do and when, as I mentioned before, this is a question everybody struggles with throughout their life. And that is, when is it a sign when I'm having all these roadblocks that I'm not supposed to be doing this because it's wrong? Or it's a sign that I should be doing this and this is Gavaldic and this is my life's mission and the answer is going to make sure that he tries his hardest to stop me. <laughs> That's quite a difference of possibilities there. And you can be working on the same project, by the way, and one cool for your life is one thing, and the other one it's the other thing. It's stop and desist. That's why you've got to be honest with yourself and ask Shailas and ask Reitzes and try to figure it out. One rule we have, and that is, if the Shulchan says it's Mutur you've got to do it, and if somebody, something's trying to stop you, it's Yetzirah. Very few exceptions to that. And if you're doing the wrong thing, and you think you're doing it on Shem Shamayim, usually that's Yetzirah pushing you to do something you shouldn't be doing. Couple of exceptions, Yalisha Sheber, Kami, very few exceptions. Very few. So David Melech is on a construction project. He's trying to dig the foundation of the base of Mikdish, and there's a piece of pottery talking. Whether pottery should talk or shouldn't talk, uh, there's no mitzvah or chiyah to listen to the pottery. And whatever Bal Machashef, shady character otherwise, put this mouth into the thing as probably an anti Semite and wants to stop the being on a bias, and David Melech says, I'm not going to be a party to this. That's legitimate, I'll be a lawful. They'll say, well, isn't it right? He was wrong. The whole world almost got flooded. Well, we finished the Ochlaner. That might not be so true. Whatever the Pshat and the Gemara is. And the fact that something got more difficult afterwards doesn't mean you were wrong. And that's the problem in life. The Yitzhar, if it loses the first round, then pounces on you and says, you see? It wasn't worth it. You see how much Achman Snapfish you have now? And they'll use that argument for 20 years. Sometimes a person will do something in a serious Snapfish. And they'll, quote unquote, suffer for it for 20 years. And the Yitzhar will use it against you with the full force of his all his uh, ammunition, and the whole thing's not true. Okay, the schar is you're getting residual kaparas. The cheshbetis and shemayim are endless. It's not a riot. The only guidepost you have is shulchan aruch das and trying to figure out. And that's uh, challenging when the Yitzhar tries to convince us otherwise. So that's the value of this. Are, are, are they running into things that, you know, inanimate objects don't normally talk? Davar uh, melech. Um, Felt he has no right to listen. It would have been more convenient to listen. Well, talking pottery, this is spooky. I 
I'm, I'm leaving, you know, get, get us an engine involved. The Kabbalah Sadabit is he didn't uh, listen to anything. And his training was that the Gabbalah Dar was Meshachim. And if you recall, we had this in a Joshua, probably last Shabbat Shuvah. Um, he spent from the second he was Nimshach, he spent, came out every night or every other night in a different bed, and none of them were beds. There were caves, rocks, hard ground, and it was, it was grueling, doesn't begin to describe it. He was in mortal danger for two years. Him and his men. Shmuel tells him, your king is going to be great, and you're going to be running Kleisro, and he's a wanted man hanging out of your post office for two years. So go figure. I don't know if I learned a long time ago that, that the fact that you're suffering doesn't mean that you made the wrong decision. So that's the answer to your question, but interesting. If you have any other ideas, I'm curious to hear them, if you have any other examples. Uh, okay, let's go to the Elcha there. That's a good thing to Chazer from the last Sogif, so I'm glad you uh, brought it up. Page two, the Elcha there. Now begins again the bottom of the first column. I picked this one because this Teretz has a lot to do with you wouldn't describe the scenario as making shalom in the world. You'd describe the scenario as people are in danger of getting flooded and people can drown. What does that do with shalom? Yeah, it's not very peaceful when people are drowned, but that has nothing to do. It's the wrong word. So he says, what's with the shalom over here? Wouldn't that be a a more direct application. Nearly. See, he says, he had another kasha. The kasha is his, main kasha is, it wasn't a shayla. But his the second point is, it doesn't fit into the lashon, it's not to do with shalom. And the third problem is, why is he concerned the whole world's going to be flooded? Hashem promised he's never going to flood the world again. Everybody drowned from two sources. The time came up, which is what's happening over here, and the rain came down, boiling hot rain, and everybody was finished. Shem said, he's not going to do that again. So, no. If it's Bechlal Shvur, so then what was the concern over here? It sounds like the Gemara is saying the whole world's going to get flooded if they don't do something. They've got to raise Hashem's name. What were they concerned about? And Lachshus, Kivin, Sharmin, and Besaiti will say, no, they're worried about part of the world getting destroyed. That could be a lot of people, Rachmar Litzlan. As the Gemara Saita says, Pyra had a very, well, he thought he had a very uh, clear lumdus why if I throw them all into the Nile, Hashem can't get me back because Hashem always do, does me the Kanyamida. Over here he can't because he can't get it back with water because he's not going to destroy the world with water. What he didn't know is Hashem promised he's not going to destroy the world with water, not individual countries. That was his mistake. The Gemara spells it out in Tavish. It's a Mitzrayim, Shadafka, Kolom, Kula, and maybe of Allah, Eretz, Achas, maybe. But it's Yahweh, Shem, Yatsev, and Tahim, Yatsev, He says, no, so maybe Dabba Malchus worried that it's going to flood Eretz Yisrael, and that's already a lot of casualties. Dezeina, it's not true. Darmina, Bezvachim. Now, the quote from the Gemara is the next four words, not the words after that. That's important over here. Layarit Mabal the Mabal never came into Eretz There's a lot to say in this, so I just want to point out, Vahainu, the next word, 
is his explanation of why the Marvel didn't go and date Israel, according to his Mandamer. One could say the Marvel didn't go and date Israel because the whole Marvel is an ace, and it's an ace that Israel shouldn't get flooded. Why would it be necessary to have an ace that Israel is not flooded? The Gemara's context is a result of a Marvel that had hundreds of thousands, millions of dead bodies, people, and animals all over the place. I think it's Pushit. Maybe somebody writes it somewhere. In theory, but uh, the reason why uh, the Middle East is so rich in oil deposits is because there are a lot of bones. That's where oil deposits are made, bones of humans, bones of animals. And if you ever notice, there's huge amount of oil all over the Middle East, all over. Hakol Bakol, except for one small piece of land called Eretz Yisrael, and there's not a drop of oil there. So without this mandamer, what it said is that we know from the Pasuk already that the Nile doesn't go through Eretz Yisrael either. It's a lot easier to fertilize your, uh, irrigate your farm with a Nile. Eretz Yisrael is beautiful because the Nile is going through every, and Eretz Yisrael relies on rain because Hashem wants us to rely on him. And it's also the Gullah's conditions. We have to be Meshubit to do Island. There are a lot of reasons why they haven't found any yet. But this reason, the Mabul never went there. The people didn't uh, die there, that people weren't washed ashore there, and, and there are less bones there. Just a, just a theory. Be that as it may, the Archaner is teaching the Gemara to mean. This text for Hainu is not from the Gemara. Hainu, Mishum, De The reason the flood didn't go in, you don't have to come out to an ace, is because it's higher than all the other lands, and water goes to the lower spots, not the higher spots. Says there was no concern that only people in Israel are going to get drowned because the whole rest of the world would have to be underwater first before it gets to the highland, and that would be a violation of Hashem's own shvuim, and therefore they couldn't be worried about that either. And fascinating, the Achanan notices all these things. Who says the Mabam didn't come and date Israel? And who are Mandamar Achmaisa Kishakara David Shisin? He's the Mandamar in this Gemara that tells the whole story with David and Melech and the piece of pottery. So if you're trying to get shot in this story, you have, have to fit with Rabbi Yechanan. Rabbi Yechanan held that the Mabam didn't reach there, and he's saying the Pshat is. Mabam's Machel doesn't say this. He's saying the Pshat is because it was higher. Okay. So the problem is as follows, and we started raising this, and we'll probably start. Today, but tomorrow we'll continue from the map part, and that is the Gemara says many, many times in Shas, Rashi quotes it all over the place in Chumash, Yisrael is Gavoyim Mechalaitis, and Yishalayim is Gavoyim from Mechalaitis Yisrael, Kamta Valisa, there are many, they just keep quoting Pesukim. Shas, what does it mean? What's the push shot in all these Gemaras? We've become, Rashi's quoting all these Gemaras, and I have no problem if I'll pee Kabbalah. It means all sorts of things we can never understand, and I'm sure it does. And I'll pick up Gavaya does not mean physically, it can mean the Kedusha, and that's where all the Bracha comes from. I have no problem with that. There is, I believe, a Pasha Pshat to the Gemara, though. And I started just to give you a frame of reference, even though this is not the main point. I just uh, caused general pandemonium when I told you that our globes and our maps are kind of... Um, uh, my Moshe was, so you got to look, uh, find out who paid for it, so... It was commissioned by the conquerors of Europe who all the Northern Hemisphere, and Spanish and the uh, British and the French and all the other people who colonized this country and all the other countries. And they paid for it, so they wanted themselves on top in a prominent place, a place who wants to sit in the back and who wants to sit in the bottom. So all the globes and all the maps, we have North America and Europe, and then you got the uh, what they considered the losers and the slaves and the conquered. 
it's not just Africa, they made them all to slaves. When they went to South America, it was, I don't want to be Metzilaz on Christopher Columbus, but he wasn't a yid. Today, everybody's a yid. And all the teenagers, when your kids become teenagers, you'll find out they'll come home every day, somebody else is a yid. Um, Christopher Columbus, uh, I, I can't, can't swear to it, that I'd be very, very surprised. He probably had some Moranos on board. I, I hope he wasn't a yid. He was a terribly ruthless, cruel person who him and his uh, men, all this is documented, it's, it's, it's horrific even to see some of the stuff. But they came to South America and they uh, immediately, um, they came with the uh, goal to uh, rip the uh, country of all its natural resources and enslave the people and bring it all back and enrich the emperor. That, that's, why, that's why they paid for it in the first place as an investment. And they did just that. And they horribly tortured all the natives who were, okay, of Devarazara, but, uh, you know, they were... They were people, and it was horrific. And he took part in it. It was this is well known for people who know the history. Just say I'm mentioning it because people sort of idolize him a little bit. And um, he was sent by Hashem that we should have a country to move to. And we're uh, to him and Henry and um, um, Pons de Leon, who's still looking for the Fountain of Youth, and all the other all the other geniuses who were um, who came here. And that was all Yad Hashem, but. Lamaisa, hashkafically, it was a little bit, uh, more than a little bit schwer. Um, they were paid, and they drew maps, and not only were the Europeans on top, but the, the maps over the history, and Yaakov, he, he brought me the color article, he said he had an article on it, and it was fascinating, because exactly what I thought. Uh, they used to make maps where, like, Europe was bigger, out of proportion, like, you know, China would be in the center of the thing when the Chinese are writing the map, and again, whoever's paying for it, that's the way it's going to go. And the fact that it doesn't look like Eretz Yisrael is on top, it doesn't mean anything. Because if you make a globe of Piyashkafa, you're still going to have North Pole and South Pole. You're still going to have the Earth on its axis. You're still going to have magnetic field. The question is, where do you start? And I'll just give you two examples. It happens to be they're right. They didn't do it for this reason. They did it because they're red diff covered. But North America and Europe actually is on top because... Be on top or the bottom, but it's prominent. Uh, many riots to this. The Chaznish had his famous machlekes of Chukatinsky about the international dateline. So there started the Gemara. There is a Gemara on it, and she says, "How you learn the Gemara?" So everybody's masking the lions up here, and Chaznish says you go ninety degrees to here, and the international dateline halachically is over here. They're both masking that it's not where the Goyim arbitrarily put it because it's arbitrary. They did a great job for an arbitrary decision. They took. England, because that's the center of civilization to them, and they put it somewhere where it doesn't interrupt uh, traffic. And then we're like this, a couple islands over here, and that's fine. For a guy without a Gemara, fine. Hazanish says, it's the up here, 90 degrees from here, and the globe is now, that's the point, and the globe has the top and the bottom. Chukhadinsky says 180 degrees in Yishalayim, the globe being this one, that way, and it goes to the bottom. That doesn't prove the upper hemisphere necessarily. The Chazi started the point assuming it's 12. Says, you look at the globe from up here. That does prove. Doesn't prove yet that there's an Indian Dafka living in the northern hemisphere. Nice from people living in South Africa and in Chile and all these places. I will point out that Chaydish Aviv has to be an Aviv. It doesn't mean if you're in Chile, you're in violation. But the Torah is talking, assuming that Rav Minyan being the Yidin. Historically, will hopefully be an Israel, and if not, we know historically they've been in the northern hemisphere. Chaydish Aviv only makes sense in the northern hemisphere because if you know anything about Chile or 
Australia the place is our winter is their summer. We have um, Shlaimi's brother always comes and he comes in the dead of winter. I said, you're here for summer vacation again. He said, how'd you know? It's just like, yeah, just, it's hard to even wrap your hand in. It's the middle of the summer. They have school off and they have uh, summer vacation. But Aviv means the rejuvenation where the crops are now coming out after you planted them. Everything is in reverse in the southern hemisphere. So it sounds like Apiyalacha, the northern hemisphere, does have a Maila, so therefore you don't have to redo your globes from that perspective, it's just that it just rolls on the top. The problem is, which we were discussing after Shear, is that that doesn't sound like what the Elfani is saying. Because even Lee Yitzurik just rolls on the top, and he sounds like he's describing that the water is going to go down and therefore they're not going to be flooded. But with the gravitational pull, wherever you are, that doesn't work that way. The water doesn't say, it rolls on top, they're not going to get flooded unless the whole world gets flooded. But it doesn't work that the picture of globe. The water's coming up the globe, and it finds that doesn't, doesn't work that way. I don't think that's what the Al-Khanair meant. So just a push-up shot with one minute left. What does it mean? Is there a push-up shot? I think the push-up shot is that in the Middle East, which was the known civilized world, and you could check this out. I didn't research this, but I, I think it's certainly primarily true. I don't know if there are exceptions. Etisrael is interesting. It has the lowest point by the Dead Sea. I think on Earth, no? Below, below sea level. It has the Hermon and has the Golan Heights, plus further, the, the greater Israel, which is quite high. So people are asking Kashis, you have the Himalayas and you have the Austrian the Alps and the uh, Swiss Alps and the French Alps and, the, and you have all these things, yeah, but nobody lives in these places. Nobody lives near these places and they certainly didn't live on these places. And it's all Gvam meant in the time, through the time of Chazal, wherever it's mentioned, it's something the Chumash describing Kanta Elisa is in contrast to the civilized world, which is, the coast is always lower. When you go down to the coast, you're always going to get to sea level when you get to the coast. And all the surrounding areas, Har Ararat, I don't even know if they were living near there. And as a Medjish with Haman, with the sun, they sent the wood from there. They, they went to Nech's favor and got it. So it Pashpashat could be, it's as well as meaning it was always the highest of where you went from the surrounding areas. And when you got to Yitzhak, Yushalayim was the mountain range that they, that they went to, which was inhabited, which was the highest. In which case, the Dabar Melech is there, and you're worried about flooding everybody else, they're going to flood everybody else first before it gets to Yushalayim, before it gets to Yitzhak. And that's the Elkanah's assumption over here. I think that's the Pashpashat, but uh, we'll give you the feedback, I have some more interesting, a uh, couple of interesting things to say about the globe, we'll save that for tomorrow night.